This reading is taken from 1 Samuel uh, verse, uh, sorry, chapter 3, and we're reading the whole chapter. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. <clears throat> The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran into Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So so he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli raised, uh, realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at, as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle. At that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible and he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it that he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord, let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let, he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear in Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Thanks ever so much, uh, Johnny. Appreciate that. Prayer's easy, isn't it? No, it isn't really, is it? Well, okay, if we were to say, shall we pray? I guess most people would think, oh, I know what he's going to do now, and you could join in with that. But when it's just down to you and me, it's not really so easy at all, is it? Not day in, day out. I find that sense of one-to-one with God particularly uh, difficult. When we do pray, we can quickly launch into the shopping list of what we want, what we need, and the stuff that's in our heads right in the here and now, unless we think of, oh, I left something in the oven. Oh, I needed to get such and such from upstairs. Or get that distraction gift, anybody? Prayer is not always that uh, that easy, uh, is it? 
Maybe the talking bit we can get into, but here we can see that prayer isn't just about talking. And that's what I want us to think about this evening. It's also going to be about listening as well. Prayer is about listening. We speak of the Christian life, don't we, being about a relationship. It's not about religion, it's about a relationship. And that's what makes Christianity different from any of the other world faiths that there are around. But in terms of that relationship, well, how does that work? Firstly, it's a relationship between ourselves and God, where we've got that opportunity to renew that relationship with God. But second to that, it's then how God helps us in our relationships one with another, isn't it? And relationships for relationships, that was a lovely nodding of the head, Phoebe. You can come back. I like that, that affirming yes. That sort of relationship, whether it's ourselves and God or relationship one with another, is going to be two-way, isn't it? And like any other relationship, how are we going to best cultivate a relationship? Well, it's usually by that sense of talking and listening. I love the uh, the couple that were interviewed about the longevity of their own uh, relationship. And they were invited to, to share about the secrets uh, of their long uh, married life. And the husband was quick to pipe up and he said, well, uh, for us, it's, it's always been very, very two-way about talking and listening. My wife talks and boy am I in trouble if I don't listen. But in one sense he captured something through humour and we know it's a two-way thing, uh, don't we? That sense of talking and listening. We're not talking about prayer this evening just being one way from here to God. Lots of the other religions in the world would seek to talk to God so that they may well hopefully get to where he is. Actually, Christianity is very different, isn't it? There's that two-wayness. We looked at the verse uh, last week, even when Jesus was baptised, and he was praying. So as he was praying, that would have been in communion with his Father, but we know that then his Heavenly Father spoke to him. We read in Luke chapter 3, when as he was praying, there was that two-wayness that was true, even with Father and Son within the Trinity. God speaks to us, we believe, through his word. And that's great. This is his unchanging uh, word. And that's fantastic. And it's probably the most usual means of his communicating uh, to us. But we're talking about the God who made you and me. We're talking about the God of the whole universe. We didn't ought to just restrict God to a book and, and imply that unless it's within the book or from the book, God can't speak. God is able to be outside of, of anything, isn't he? Otherwise, he wouldn't be God. We need to free God up to be God. I love the example of the little child that was trying to get his head around how big God was and, and where God was. And he spoke to uh, to his dad after going back from church one day. And he said, well, is God everywhere, dad? Well, dad knew the answer to that. Yes, yes, God is everywhere. Oh, okay, he said. So if God is everywhere, does that mean that God is also in our country? Well, yes, if God is everywhere, then God is in our country. Does that mean he's also in our town, Daddy? Well, Dad was now thinking, this is going in a particular direction. I'm not sure where he's going. Well, yes, if God is everywhere, obviously Dad had to follow uh, this same train of thought through. Well, then, then God has to be in our town. Does that mean God's in our house? Well, Dad was quick to look around, but he thought, well, if God is everywhere, well, yes, he found himself saying God has to be in our house. Is he in this room then, Daddy? 
No, Dad was feeling a little bit uncomfortable, but he said, well, yes, if, if God is everywhere, then he, he, he's, he's in our town, he's, he's in our, our village, he's in our house, and yes, he's in this room. Is he right there, Daddy? Dad paused. Well, yes, if God is everywhere, then he would also be there. Got him, said the little boy. What was this little boy trying to do? He was trying to kind of put God in a box so we might better understand who this God is. We worship a God who is outside of time, let alone a box, is he not? And we need to free God up to be God. To speak in a way that he wants to speak and to act in a way that we want that he wants to act as, our, as opposed to ourselves predetermined what he may well want to do or what he may well want to say to us tonight. Oh, but I want to be in control of what happens to me. Or, oh, I want to have a decision about... That's difficult, isn't it? When we are then going to maybe pray, God, not my will, but yours. There can be a conflict. We're going to invite God to speak tonight. We can't speak about prayer, being all about listening, and then not do it, can we? So I hope you're open to that. God, I'm open for you to speak to me. Just don't say anything that I don't really want to hear. I certainly don't want to be a missionary in outer whatever. I wonder how open we are for that sense of two-wayness, but particularly to listen to what God might want to say to us. Let's look at this passage in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 3. Uh, kids love this passage, I think, because it, it relates to the, the star of the show, if you like, being uh, a young child, Samuel. Of course, he grew to be um, used incredibly of God. Here he is, of just a young uh, boy. But kids also love the repetition. And we were thinking about this as we were waiting to start Cafe Church yesterday. And uh, if you can think about this, um, just there's three of us here. We had uh, a young uh, lad come to stay with us uh, for the weekend. And, uh, and he's nearly 11. Uh, now, according to the historian Josephus, uh, his uh, statement or his guesstimate is that Samuel would have been about 12 when this uh, experience occurred. Well, that was right about then the same kind of age as, as the, the, the lad that we had staying with us over the weekend. So as well as me thinking, and, and I'd been chatting uh, with him about, well, maybe we could reenact this passage. But there were only three of us uh, here at the time. So I think, well, this is taking a bit of a gamble. The other person who was there uh, was Sally, Sally Burton. She's always there to make the coffee for us early. And she said, well, well, basically where it says about Eli, verse, verse 2, of whose eyes were becoming so weak that they could, he could barely see. She said, I guess, I guess I ought to play the part of Eli. And we had a little bit of laughter together. I thought, well, that only leaves me with the narrator, really. Doesn't it? As it was, others came and then the little lad said, no, I don't think I would like to do that as a role play anyway. But just allow your imagination to picture what was going on here. Because it, it sounds quite funny, doesn't it, when you think about it. There's Samuel, say, uh, over there in bed. And he hears his name. Samuel. Well, he's going to think, well, that must be my mentor, my boss, uh, Eli, uh, that, he, that he was then uh, living with. It. So he goes and, and checks out. Eli, yeah, you caught me. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Go and lie down. So poor Samuel goes from rubbing his eyes, they go all the way back, lies down, and we don't know how much later, but Samuel, and that was again. And then you, you've got this back and forth, back and forth. And then Eli kind of clicks that maybe, just maybe, that is God speaking. And there's then the encouragement that comes. Well, next time, 
If you hear your name, then say, speak, Lord, your servant heareth. Wow, what a prayer. Can you pray that? Did you pray the song that we sang before we looked at this passage? Master, speak, thy servant heareth. Bit bizarre to sing it and pray it, and then if he does, say, no. (laughs) I hope we're open to whatever it is that God might want for us. We may well say, of course, well, that sense of God speaking in such a way, that's pretty unusual. I mean, come on. God doesn't really do that kind of thing now. But in actual fact, if we read the passage, chapter 3, verse 1, this was unusual in their day. Chapter 3, verse 1, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There weren't many visions. This wasn't something that happened on a day-by-day or week-by-week basis. It was incredibly unusual. There were times when, according to Amos chapter 8, verse 11, there are famines of hearing the word of the Lord. That was not a good thing. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, reminds us that where there is no revelation... The people cast off restraint. In other words, when we don't tend to hear from God or say no to God, then society tends to go from bad to worse. And really, it's pretty obvious what the application is, is it not, in our own land? You know, let's kick out or alienate a belief in God or certainly any sense of respect for God's word. And let alone the values that scripture dictates. And then we've kind of got the land, the nation, the society that we've wanted, haven't we? Sadly. Here it appears that God spoke audibly. Samuel, God knows our name. First, he thinks it's Eli, his mentor. Eli, as I mentioned, was a bit slow on the uptake. Bear in mind, this was a priest. This should have been somebody whose antennae would have been open to the spirit of God speaking. Uh, But he wasn't, and this wasn't the first time. Back in chapter 1, Eli thought that Hannah was drunk when she was praying in the temple, where she was beside herself uh, because of being desperate to have uh, a child. Eli did nothing when his sons made a mockery of the priesthood. His fading eyesight, his fading vision, as some feel was maybe alluding to something being quite symbolic of this time in Israel when the word of the Lord was indeed rare and there weren't many visions. That sense of repetition as well of the name, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. God sometimes has to speak to us, doesn't he, and say the same thing over uh, and over. And I I won't uh, uh, let you know their their name, but there was uh, a couple here uh, yesterday. And and obviously she was wanting him to offer something about before they finally did something as a couple and as a family. And uh, and he got the the nudge, first of all, and uh, eventually. And so Smiley said, well, actually, yeah, we can identify that. Because as a family, we took a decision to do a particular thing, uh, but on the 13th time of me hearing, and it was 13 times. I wonder if you can remember God speak to you about certain things, or maybe you've wondered whether or not something was God, and then the same thing has come in a slightly different way. 
It's always good to never maybe overplay one thing or underplay it either. Often refer to that sense of discovering God's will or voice for, for our lives as being like the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. Do you like jigsaws, Phoebe? Yeah. Good. Good on you. Great to have the first piece. Great to have a second piece. But it's very difficult to know what the whole picture is going to look like just from one or two pieces. But when God speaks and repeats in different ways, then bit by bit, piece by piece, and in faith, through the eyes of faith, we begin to see the whole picture. That's maybe our prayer for when we actually say to him, Master, speak, your servant heareth. Uh, now I've got a mobile phone uh, here this evening, and I know uh, I sometimes mention about the uh, uh, the techie side of needing to what I do needed to do what I got to do, otherwise Rich will be on my back with regards to not recording the the messages which go online. I can relax this evening because he's here, and you're watching this. Uh, hopefully, uh, if you're watching this at, at home, so may God speak to you and bless you. But I guess you, if you've got a mobile phone, there would have been times where you've then struggled to get a signal. Anybody identify with that? Yeah. And it used to be, ages ago, we used to think, well, hold, yeah, like, like this, can you, can you remember that? Trying to hold it higher. Now maybe you've been on the phone or you've seen somebody else. Can you, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And we're trying to find a place where, where we can actually get a signal. I do that quite regularly here during the week because this building isn't great for getting a signal. Can you hear me now? And then all of a sudden you hear the voice, good. I wonder if we've ever said that. I wonder if we can think about that in terms of through the eyes of faith. Maybe we can think of weighing up how good our signal strength is of hearing God speak to us. We believe in a God who communicates, but sometimes I feel as if like the signal is not maybe there because I feel a bit deaf to what he may well want to say. Or maybe that there are dead spots that can sometimes reflect what's going on in our own lives, other times maybe not. If we were to rate our communication with God, I wonder how many bars we would give it right now. Or don't put up the hands up, but uh, however many bars it is, maybe ask God for another bar. Just create that sense of a little bit more receptivity because I want to know, God, what it is that you want to say to me. I wonder if God was trying to get through to you or to me, would he be able to say, can you hear me now? Good. But sometimes it takes so much, doesn't it, for us to have everything that's right in place for us to be able to discern his voice. We need to be still. We need to take time out. I'm going to think of some of the practical things that may well help, and I do this more than anybody a little bit later on. This passage in 1 Samuel is quite significant, as well as it being a great story to tell uh, and great to maybe reenact with community kids upstairs. It marks a transition from uh, a time when Israel was not hearing from God to a time when then God's word came freely uh, to all Israel. That difference came about through this young Samuel, who was then going to become a prophet. So we're going to take a look at this passage and especially look at this through the eyes of what was going on on for both Samuel and Eli. Of course, we know as we read the passage who it is that's calling Samuel from the very start, don't we? So it's easy for us. Always easy, isn't it, when we know the answer. Ever had anybody say to you that when you can't do anything, oh, it's easy. 
My mum used to say to me, it's only easy when you know how. Your mum used to say exactly the same. Guess what I said to my kids? Exactly that. And there are some people that do find it a lot easier than others to have that sense of receptivity to what it is that God is saying. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Chapter 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 7. That is why Samuel did not know who it was. If you've got somebody who doesn't know God and they hear a voice or they have a spiritual experience, how are they going to know where that comes from? Now I'm not saying that every spiritual experience is from God. But for Samuel, we can be quite forgiving, not just because of his age, but he had not heard the word of the Lord. And until we have our eyes opened and our ears unplugged, we ain't going to know that it is God speaking to us necessarily. Jesus said of his followers, did he not, in John chapter 10, I think it was that my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. If you're a parent or a grandparent, or you've looked after young children, there's been a big crowd, and suddenly you've turned and that young child is lost. But then above all the crescendo of noise, you hear a, uh, hear a voice saying, Nan, or Mum, or Dad, and, and you can pick out that voice. You know the voice of your own. How wonderful, isn't it? That sense of the picture that, that Jesus says, my sheep know my voice, but it only comes when we've had that relationship kick-started because of what God has enabled us to receive in him. After God's world was revealed to him, this Samuel would then learn over time to recognise God's voice. And you can go through the entire uh, 1 and 2 Samuel, if you like, to actually uh, uh, see those different instances. Maybe that would be quite an interesting word study to see how he did that. But for now, he just assumed that it was Eli. When Eli does then click, who it may well be speaking, what brilliant uh, advice he gives to that Samuel. Say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Maybe if you have a quiet time on a daily basis, weekly basis, or every now and then, uh, don't hit yourself over the head if your regularity isn't as good as others. Um, But maybe we can build in to that time with God, even if it's not the exact same words. Speak, Lord. I really want to listen to what it is that you want to say to me. And the best way we're going to be able to hear is if we shut up. That's hard for a preacher because what do we do? Well, we tend to talk a lot. And some of you that know me well would know that I can do that quite a lot. But it's important that we take time to listen if we're going to really hear what he is wanting to say. When that advice then came, that was given to Samuel, I wonder what was going through his mind. Samuel then goes back to bed, but then there's something a little bit different the next time when he's spoken to. What was it? What was it? It wasn't just once, was it? Samuel? Samuel? I don't know whether there was extra volume in it or or whatever. Uh, but there was something that a little, little bit different. Samuel received a double call of his name. That's quite interesting because it's what happened to Abraham 
in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 11. It's what happened to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. The scene is being set for God's hand being upon another anointed character that was going to be used by God in an incredible way. Without the scripture and the text alluding to that at this stage. But as we look back, we know that's exactly what occurred. It was a key turning point in Samuel's uh, life, as it will be whenever it is when God speaks to us. We had great conversations yesterday morning. And one of the things that I tried to encourage people to do, we only had about nine of us yesterday morning, I said, I want you to think back to one of the first times that you got on record in your mind as to when you believe God spoke to you. And there were various different examples and experiences that were shared. From different ages, weren't there, in Various different ages, in different ways. But the impact of that person's life was that that life was never the same again. Isn't it therefore worth our while to give time to this God to speak to us? Not just for the very first time, so that we might uh, give our lives to Jesus, and great though that is, but that's not where the relationship stops, is it? So Samuel was open to what God was going to say. If then there's a first message that God is wanting to give to you, wouldn't you like that to be a cosy message? That wasn't what the 12-year-old got. Now, I don't know if you picked up, as Johnny read, that the message uh, that actually uh, poor Samuel, as this young boy, had to, uh, had to pass on. But basically, God was confirming an earlier message of judgment that he had brought against Eli. That was his own mentor, whose sons had sinned and Eli had failed to restrain them. Now, Eli's whole house was going to be removed from the priesthood, and all the words of the earlier, earlier prophecy would be uh, fulfilled. There was no turning back. It's not always an easy thing to pass on that which you believe God has, has given to you uh, to say. But I have to say this from the position of doing what I do. Any pastor, minister, or preacher that chooses to not say what they believe they've been given ought to stop from that moment. And never actually get up and speak to people ever again. You have to be faithful to the whole counsel of God. And so Samuel had a big challenge. I wonder what would have happened if he thought, oh, Eli's up here. I'm only down here. What's he going to do to me? He was pretty uh, nervous. We read in verse uh, 15, he was afraid to tell Eli the vision. He knew that's what he had to do. I wonder what was going through his mind. I wonder if there was a sense of justification that he was working through about how he could maybe get out of being completely honest about what God had said to him. And then Eli called him and said, Samuel, don't hide it from me. Tell me, what did God say to you? Wow. What a tough challenge. For a kid of 12, Samuel did not bottle it. What God had said to him, he shared that. 
Samuel got up. Eli asked him to share what was said. But this Eli was humbly open to receive that word too. And that's the other part of prayer, isn't it? As we want God to speak to us, let's hope that it's good. But there are times where what we hear is not going to be comfortable. God is wanting our long-term benefit and good, but we've got to trust him with a whole lot, haven't we? It does amuse me when uh, we have a variety of students uh, do stuff at the church or mission teams and stuff, and, and they say in theory they, they love to get some feedback at the end of the week. I've discovered over about 30 years of doing this kind of stuff, basically what they mean is when it gets to the end of the week, can you tell me all the things I was good at? Can you give me all the encouragements? And of course that is a part of feedback, but feedback is also about our being honest, isn't it? About what we feel. It's how we learn. And we would hope that people are on the receiving end of that. I've no idea what Mike Dolby is doing now. You won't know him. He was an evangelist in Chesterfield. And I was placed there with him um, in 1993. For three weeks as a part of my uh, Bible college stuff that I was doing. I can't tell you anything that went on in those three weeks. Now, I've forgotten it. I remember two words, which was all a part of the feedback that I got at the end of those three weeks. I can't remember anything else. Do you know the two words I can remember Mike saying to me that I'm so grateful to God for? And a northern accent, this is in Chesterfield, remain teachable. I thank God for that man. I didn't quite get what he meant, first of all. And he then unpacked it. No matter who we are, remain teachable. Remain open to what the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is wanting to say to you. As we say, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. That's kind of like the passage. But I want us to think a little bit about the practicalities before we then think about putting this into practice. So don't worry, nobody's got to do anything here. You're not going to be asked to stand up or or go to the front or lie down or anything like that. Just to be still and be where you are. And you're kind of being still and sat where you are now. So there's nothing to get all hung up and stewed up over, okay? Nothing new or, or, or anything else is going to happen other than I'm going to shut up and we're going to each have an opportunity if we choose to take it. Of asking God to speak to us. Okay? I hope you're open to that. If you're not, well you can take that up with God about why you're not open for that really. But let's try to think just briefly before we look at that. About why we find it so hard to listen. And I want to do this because I need to work this out as well. Why do I find it so hard to listen? And I came up with about eight reasons. It might be that just one of them is of relevance to you. You may well think of others. Maybe we find it hard to listen because we're selfish. One of you have been in a conversation and somebody cuts across. We don't like that. We want to be the one. We're in this conversation. But then sometimes we do exactly the same to somebody else. I did it to somebody this morning. There was a reason why I did it. I, I hated myself afterwards. What on earth made me think that I was more important in terms of my cutting across somebody else's conversation as opposed to what they were talking about? Maybe we find it hard to listen because we have more important things to do, we feel. 
We do all those things that we want to do or that we have to do. Is there anything that is more important than waiting upon God? I say to myself, I'm not so sure there is. Maybe we find it hard to listen because we don't quite think or believe that God would speak to us. Sometimes that's based on our theological stance, that in this day and age, God only speaks to us in a particular way, through his word, the true uh, conservative evangelical line. It may well be that you've tried this, and you've been open before God, however you choose to do that, and there's been nothing. And you've persevered a few times, maybe even a few years, and nothing's ever, in inverted commas, worked. Don't let past experience or what you feel prevent you from trusting any given moment that God might choose to speak. I had a conversation with someone that was an adult, around about my age, a few weeks ago, and they had never heard their father tell them that they were loved. They'd asked God about that. They'd talked to God about that. They'd waited on God for answers. They'd wept and wept over that. And uh, as, uh, as Dad then died, this was several years ago now, it, it then came to that quite um, significant moment of if I'm going to say anything to my dad, now I need to say it. And they launched into themselves saying, how much they love their, their father. Silence. And then, Dad turned smart and said, I love you too. I've always loved you. I cannot tell you the difference that that meant to that individual. They weren't five. They were nearer 55. They had to wait a long, long time. Who's to say that God may well choose to maybe speak to you this evening or if not this evening maybe two weeks time maybe two years time let's not preempt what god may or may not do simply because of what he has or hasn't done before we don't live by experience or feelings do we it's the christian faith let's be open to what god might want to say why do we find it hard to listen well, sometimes because we get too tired. Maybe first thing in the morning at five o'clock is not the best time. Well, I certainly have a quiet time at five o'clock in the morning, but for different reasons. I'm, I'm away with the fairies then. Figure of speech. Maybe it's 11, 12 o'clock, one o'clock in the morning. You think, okay, I'll, I'll give you an opportunity. <sighs> it's our best time when we can dig out time before our God and carve out time to be quiet before him. Or we get so easily distracted, don't we? If that was one of the spiritual gifts, I'd be able to say, I know that one's mine. Maybe you could as well. Other feelings and other things so often enter our mind and so it's difficult to siphon that out to listen to what God might say. Or maybe we have that sense of an imbalanced prayer life. 
where we've just been brought up with the way we're to pray, and there's the the A C T S, the uh, the uh, that that sense of adoration and confession, thanksgiving, supplication, but it's all about me, 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 me talking. And the whole concept of us listening is very new. Oh, it's a bit charismatic. Well, not according to the word of God. Because we believe that God speaks. And it's a lot easier for me to hear what you're saying to me if I shut up and let you speak, is it not? And as the old adage goes, we've been given how many mouths and how many ears? (laughs) That's not a bad thing to remember, is it? I address to myself. Maybe we've been taught to, we've, we've not been taught to expect God uh, to speak to us uh, in prayer. But God very often chooses to speak through his spirit. If God didn't speak through his spirit, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. Because that was the means he chose to speak, as well as having spoken through his word. He confirmed that through other means. I'm glad I listened. Maybe for ourselves it's that recognition as well that we're in a spiritual battle. If hearing the Lord is going to change our life for the good for the good and for the better, why would the enemy sit back and do nothing? We believe, do we not, in a, there being a spiritual battle. He'll do whatever he can to throw you off course, get you distracted, or maybe make you feel really guilty when your prayer life isn't what it ought. Even better, to make a Christian friend or a preacher make you feel guilty on their behalf. God wants us to be freed up from that sense of guilt. But recognise the reality of the battle. And where it is, we're most likely to be tempted to not listen. Give that issue to God. Ask somebody else to pray for you about that. Because our vulnerabilities are going to be very, very different. I've listed about eight things that may well prevent us from listening. You may well have others that secretly think, well, I know what my few reasons would be why I struggle to listen. If you find it an easy thing to listen, thank God for that. I think that's a rare gift and it's a special gift. Use that gift because if God has given you that, he's given you that for a reason. For a reason. Not just so that you might hear for you, but maybe to then pass on other things that you hear onto others as well. That's a few practical things. I've got a whole host of other stuff that I was going to share, but I'm not going to do that because I promised that we'd have time to uh, wait uh, upon the Lord. And we're going to do that before we then come to the, uh, the Lord's table, uh, which is open to anybody who loves the Lord Jesus Christ, believes that this Jesus came, died for their own sin, then was risen from the grave, and new life is possible in him through faith. If that's you, you think, yes, I love this Jesus. Yes, I want to follow him. Then we'd encourage you a while later to come and take of the bread or of the cup of juice, symbolic of that blood that was shed and his body that was broken for us. But first, we're going to wait. God said through the psalmist, be still and know that I am God. So I'd invite you to just do that. Try not to look around. You don't have to close your eyes, but it may well be helpful And adopt whatever posture is best for you. You may simply want to read some more of God's word. You may want to just be still with your hands open. You may wish to kneel. 
It really doesn't matter. It's about you being you and in the quietness and stillness of your own hearts. For the next few moments, for the next few minutes, if we can, we're going to say, I would encourage you, something along the lines of inviting God to speak to us by his spirit. Okay? And I'll make it very clear when we come to the end of that time. Master, speak. Thy servant heareth. And if you're there at home watching this, I encourage you to do the same. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 says, so as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. I wonder if there's uh, anybody that's bursting to share something that they felt God say to them that could be appropriate for the rest of us here. Don't want to put anybody on. Yeah, Chris. Do you want to come here so we can get on the mic, Chris? Is that all right? Bless you. I was going to say, it could well be a word of scripture. could well be impression what God has put in your mind. Do you want to put anybody on their own pressure? But it seems wrong to actually not give that opportunity if God has said something. So thanks, Chris. The word of scripture has been on my mind for some weeks now. Um, <clears throat> and I think what Roger said this evening has confirmed that once again. It's the beginning of what's called the Shema Yisrael, which is the prayer which every Jew says in the morning and before it retires at night. And it starts in this. We read it in the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. And it says this. Hear, or listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Anybody else? Okay. Well, it's easier for people to hear. Come on, okay. I'm new to the church. Um, God has spoken to me before and changed my life in many ways. Uh, I have had the gift of prophecy in the past, and I turned against it because I was not sure where it's coming from. But I feel tonight God's similar to the thing I've talked to him before. And what he told me previously was, sometimes when we talk to God, it's like we're in an emergency and we're on the phone all the time. We're asking, asking, asking. He's trying to answer, but we don't stop to listen. So tonight I feel there's a Sarah. God's hearing your prayer. It's a simple message. Could be there's other ways that you may well have felt God has spoken to you. Sometimes we receive something we're not sure what that might mean. It may be of God, may well not be. could be just something that's in our mind. That is okay. Write it down. Maybe check it out with one of the leaders of the church or a Christian friend, someone that you trust. As we, uh, as we close and move to this time around the Lord's table, verse 19, we read, The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all 
Israel. After Samuel showed himself faithful as a prophet to Eli, God then made him a prophet to all Israel. I like that phrase, he let none of his words fall to the ground. Nothing at all was wasted. Think about those times when maybe uh, you've been beavering away, doing your bit for God, whatever that may well be. Thinking um, of Sarah, who's up with community kids, and I always think of children's workers in this regard, that uh, we're sewing in, sewing in, and all the, the teachers very often are doing is ripping their hair out, thinking, is anything really making any difference? Yes, it is. This verse encourages us, doesn't it? None of God's words are going to fall to the ground. God confirmed Samuel's prophecies again and again, and all Israel recognized that Samuel was a prophet attested by God. Remember, chapter 3 began by saying that God's word was rare at that time. But it ends by saying that through Samuel, God's word came to all Israel. Think about that as a prayer for where we are based here in Poundbury. It may well be when we came, we have that sense of, well, there's no church here. Well, there is now. It may well be a rarity in terms of what's starting. But who knows, through you, through us, what God might yet do. The book of Hebrews that I've already uh, quoted in chapter 1 says, in the, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days... He has spoken to us by his son. Do we want to hear God? Do we want to know God? Do we want to know what he's like? Then the invitation is to look at Jesus. We've got those emblems that represent uh, the, uh, uh, the body and the blood of Jesus. All the Old Testament prophets look forward to him and all of the scriptures are indeed fulfilled in him. When God sent Jesus, it was as if he said, Can you hear me now? Good. Remember the mobile phone? The signal? Can you hear me now? Maybe there's something through what Kevin said. Maybe that verse of scripture from Deuteronomy that Chris said. Maybe something in the song. Master speak thy servant heareth. Whatever it is. If God has spoken. May it be that we then follow his word to us.